0: Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, and I want to preach, of course, on the resurrection. I believe it to be fitting. Christ arose. He's not in that tomb anymore. Death, hell, and the grave had no power over him, and uh, he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And uh, there's something uh, supernatural about that. They couldn't keep him down. That was eternal blood running through his veins. It was eternal blood that was shed for me. And now our Savior alive. And he has commissioned us. But because of the resurrection over there, if you was to read your Bible there in about 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says uh, the gospel is so important. But what brings strength? To the gospel that we preach is the resurrection. Had Christ not arose on that third day, then our preaching would be vain. Our gospel would be vain. Our hope would be vain. Because Jesus, had He not arose from the dead, would not have been who He said He was. But this Bible is clear to declare that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. You can't kill God. You can't kill Him. Boy, the devil thought he had Him, but he didn't. Boy, I'm happy about that. But that brings about the message, the power. There's a phrase here. We'll read it. I want to read the whole chapter. I want to take that time because I believe it to be fitting. And uh, there's a phrase you're going to get... About verse 10, the power, the phrase I want to preach on is the power of His resurrection. You see, we don't live our Christian life by our power. We don't keep our salvation by our power. If it depended on our power, we'd be lost. I was telling the Sunday school class, if if we're going to build the church... It can't be built on my power. It can't be built on my ability because I do not have any, none. I'm, I'm just thankful to be one of the tools in God's shed. But I'm not the sharpest nor the best. But I want to maintain and stay sharp for Christ for when he chooses to use me, I can be used by the master. But if this church is to grow, if we're to be successful in the Christian life, it won't be by our power, but by his power. That we find in the resurrection. Verse 1, Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. We, we should be happy and rejoice this morning because Jesus is alive. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Now he starts by giving this church a warning. I believe it to be fitting. He says, be aware of dogs. And he's not talking about the ones that bark. He's talking about religious dogs. Be aware of evil workers. Be aware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now this man had some ability. This man had a pedigree. This man had some education. And he's telling you straight up, he didn't put confidence in his flesh. Let's read on. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. There were people that felt like God needed them, and and God couldn't do it without them. And they had a lot of confidence in their flesh and their ability. And Paul said, if you want to go down that path, I have more of a right to have confidence in my flesh than you do. And he's getting ready to give them his pedigree, not by way of bragging, but by way of saying, look, a lot of you that are running around talking about how bad and tough you are, you don't even measure up to this. Watch what he says. He was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That's God's chosen people of the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. That means he was of the straightest sex as touching the law A Pharisee, that means he was the straightest sect, a concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Oh my. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. that I may know him, and here's my phrase, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable or conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, Whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. He's referring to the scripture. Brethren, be followers together of me. And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Now he's going back to that warning. He says... Brethren, be followers together, me and Mark, them which walk, so as you have us for an example, before many. He didn't say a few. He didn't say some. He said many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. That's who their God is, their belly. You say, what what did he mean by that? Well, I'll tell you what he meant by that. He meant that these individuals that claim Christianity, their emotions drove them. Like, well, I don't feel like doing it today. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like doing that today. Your God is your belly. It's kind of like those cravings you get when you're on a diet. You're going to find out who's in charge of your life real quick. You start cutting things like bad things like bread, sugar, chocolate out of your diet real quick. You're going to find out who that enemy is and what's driving you. Flesh. (laughs) My belly. Nathan had a phrase years ago. It's little. And every time we go out and he's seen the golden arches, he'd say, man, I'm hungry. We just ate. He said, I'm hungry. I said, how do you know you're hungry? He says, my belly tells me so. That's what he's talking about here. I always think about that when I read this. And he says, "...and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself, let us pray." Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you. Lord, we love you. Help us today. Lord, we thank you that we serve a risen Savior. We serve the God, Jehovah, Jireh. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. But more than that, that you did rise. You defeated death. You have victory and all power has been given to you. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, work with this message and my feeble attempt today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us, us up by His power. There's a power connected with the resurrection. The resurrection validates the claims of Jesus and provided ultimate credibility to His person. Because the resurrection offers such proof, we can believe his message. Moreover, we can belong to the master. We can take him at his word and be saved. Because of the power of the resurrection, God has given us as sons this power. And this power, it lives in us. It transforms us. It enables us to serve him. That's, that's where I'm going today. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, but we have this treasure. In earthen vessels, he's talking about what's inside of you if you're saved. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There's a power. If you're saved this morning, if you're born again. I, I didn't say if you're just a Professor. I'm not talking about the people that profess. We'll talk about them in a minute. There's a lot of them, many people that profess Christ. I'm talking about a possessor. You know there beyond a shadow of a doubt there was a time and a place where you realized you were lost under conviction and you made peace with God. And when you left that spot, you left different. There was a change. And that change, one of the words you could use to describe that, there's a power that moved on the inside of the believer. We do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. And the same power that God used to rise from the dead is the same power he places in the believer. Mm, This is rich. 2 Corinthians 13 says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. I want to give you a couple of things. Because of the power of his resurrection, and when we get saved, God gives us the power And I'm not talking about anything mystical. I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm just talking about good, old-fashioned, getting saved, born again. I don't care where you come from, where you've been, but you can walk away a new person in Christ, and God will give you the power. He places it inside of you to succeed in the Christian life. And the first thing that happens is He gives you the power to forget the past. He says in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, there's a lot of people that have gotten saved later in life and might have been in the fires of sin a lot longer than a child would. I got saved at six. And so I didn't sit and stew in the fires and sins of life. Now that don't make me better, it doesn't make me worse. I was still a little sinner, and I had plenty to confess when I got saved and asked God to forgive me for at six years old. Like Dad taught, taught me, you never have to teach a child how to lie. Have you ever noticed that? It just comes hardwired that way. You never have to teach a child how to be a con artist. How to teach a child how to be conniving and how to set you up and manipulate you so it can get what it wants. But if you've lived some life and you've done some bad things, like the Apostle Paul, he claimed, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Now, people, there's two ways you can look at this, and I believe he addresses both ways. Sometimes when people want to give their testimonies, they want to brag about what they were before they got saved. You know, they want to glory in the flesh of what they used to be. You know, I used to be this and I used to be that. You know what? (laughs) So you were a biker. So what? I get tired of hearing it. Be people they want to glorify. Well, I used to be part of the hills angels or this, that, and I was a biker. And I'll tell you what, you know what? I don't care. You need to forget the past. Uh I don't care that you run a biker gang. You was the head honcho of it. So what? And then on the flip side, you'll hear this people say, "Well, boy, I I had all the knowledge, I was this, and I attained that, and I've got a Ph.D., an RSD, and R.S.D., and all this D's behind my name, and I can do this and do that and do this, and all these accomplishments. So did the Apostle Paul, and he says, you need to forget it. So he covers that pedigree stuff. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was, he was uh, the Pharisees of Pharisees. He had so much zeal to keep that law. Boy, he was good. He was the straightest of the sect of the Pharisees. He was righteous. Man, you looked at him, he'd be a good modern day Christian. And he says, I, had, I counted it, but dung. All that stuff I had attained, I counted for dung. But he also addressed, if you caught it there, In verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Now, I think this is where a lot of people are. They have guilt of the past. And when he says, forget those what's behind, or forgetting those things which are behind, I want you to understand, you might have done some bad things before you got saved. And you might not ever be able to forget about them. They're there. That's not what he's talking about. I spent some time meditating on this. Think with me for a moment. The Apostle Paul persecuted the church. He said he had so much zeal, he was dragging church members out and then having them arrested. Some of them he consented to their death and had them killed. And then when he got saved... God sending back to those same churches. You know, if we have a bad experience in the chicken joint, we don't go back, do we? <laughs> you know why? There's something psychological there. You have a bad experience or or end up having a bad time in a certain place, you don't want to go back. It's psychological you can't forget it you can't forget those emotions you had you can't forget how you were controlled or done wrong if you think in your mind that that's what had happened and so you won't go back think about the apostle paul having to go back to those same churches where he was dragging church members out maybe some of those church, other members that were kids that watched him drag their moms and dads and grandparents out there he's back preaching to them don't you think that would have been hard That would have been almost impossible. But because of the power of Christ's resurrection, he was able to forget that. What, What he's saying is, it did not control me. God was able to erase that mental barrier so I can go in and do what God had called me to do. And because of the resurrection, you might have a really bad past. You might have done some harm to the children of God. You might have done some harm in society. But when you get saved, God gives you the power to forget that past. Not as a forgiveness. Forget it as to wipe it from memory, but it won't hold power over you to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. That's the power he's talking about. I want to bring this up while I'm here. Paul persecuted the church. He was an antagonist to the church. I'm going to get to that here in a minute on another point. But you'll never find him being harmful to the church after he got saved. Never. There's people that actually pride themselves in persecuting churches and pastors. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you don't ever find Christians doing that in the Bible. You find lost people doing that. You find people that pretend to be Christians doing that, but you don't find blood-bought saints doing that. I didn't say Christians don't get along sometimes, I, I don't say uh, that they can't act bad sometimes, but I'm going to tell you, God will get a hold of you until you get that thing right. He won't just let you do what you want. You say, how do you know that? Because he won't let me. <laughs> I had to get right before I put this message together. I had called a, a, a preacher friend uh, a few months back and I wanted him to come in. I've been wanting him to come in for a few months and he's a, he's a big time preacher. And I felt like he blew me off that bothered me really did and I began to think not right toward the man and God got a hold of me and says you know that's not right I'm in control and maybe it just ain't God's will I don't want him here it's not going to work in his schedule and so I got right before the Lord and says, you know, Lord, you're right. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, when you want to become an antagonist or try to, you get turned against one of God's children, the Holy Spirit of God is going to begin to constrain you immediately, say, get that right. Number two, because I was taking Lord's Supper tonight, and I, I don't want to end up sick. Yeah, I have issues too. I don't want to ever paint a picture that I don't ever deal with flesh problems or sins or think bad or get bitter towards uh, other people. That 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 dude, that, that man, in all good conscience was just being honest with me and told me I am booked. I've been preaching in the same place for the last twenty years. If one of them people cancel, then I'll call you. He's being honest, but the devil used that because I had his personal phone number. I'm Betchel. He knew me when I was a little eight-year-old boy. He would give me special treatment. You know, bu- bruh. <laughs> it went right over his head. I got a little offended by that. He didn't even know it. He's just trying to be honest. He thought he could be honest with me because he's known me for a long time. And the devil used that. You see. But there's something down there because of the power of his resurrection. It says, now, you know, that ain't right. You get that right. You do are not going to be an antagonist, an enemy of the cross. I have that man doing other things and serving me in another place. And you just get somebody else. I don't want him here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's the point I want to make. These people run around that say, well, I just want to be a thorn. I'm here to be a a hindrance. I want to hurt That's straight up a tear. Now, I didn't plan to say all that, but I figured I'd share that about when you get saved, that's in the past. You persecuted the church. You were probably a thorn in somebody's side before you got saved, but not after. God's children don't act that way. Yeah, I've had disagreements with other brothers and sisters in Christ, but you don't act that way about it. You shake hands, you agree to disagree, and you move on, and you help them, you support them, and you love them. And if you think you're not going to, the Holy Spirit will whip you. And I don't like spankings from God. But because of the power of His resurrection, not only can I forget the past, and it does not hold power over me because God's resurrection is more powerful, I have the power to press toward the mark. Look with me here. He says, verse 14, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God. Amen. And he, and he says, let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. What's he saying? This is engaging the Christian life because of his resurrection. When God saves you, he puts the power down in there. Peter says it's a desire for the sincere milk of the word of God. He gives you a desire that you cannot live without church people. It's there because we make up the body of Christ. This crowd that runs around says, I love Jesus, but I hate churches. You straight up lost. You are. You cannot take this Bible and show me where you're right. If you could, I wouldn't be in church. You can't hate God's body and tell me you love Jesus. He gives you the power when you get born again to press towards that mark. That means you're going to engage the Christian life in Christ. That means you're going to start down a new path. That's what repentance means. That's what get saved, getting saved means. It means you were on a path, an old path, and you, got, you changed your mind about it. You repented of it. You come to Jesus and you start a new path. And that path It is going to happen. It will happen because if you're truly born again, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is now living inside of the believer. You're going to see God's vision for your life. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. There it is. Reaching forth. Reaching forth unto those things which are before the new life. You can't help but do that if you're truly born again. You begin to see God's vision for your life. God opens your eyes. You begin to set goals and stay the course. Verse 14. I press toward that mark. He later said that he had finished his course. He had fought his fights. He had been faithful to the end. How did he do that? The power of Christ's resurrection. He was the real deal. I think we got a lot of counterfeits running around today. You see, verse 15 says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect. He didn't say sinless. I done confessed to you. I ain't sinless. I know that blew some of y'all away. (laughs) And don't talk to Jenny after services. She might tell you more. (laughs) but that word perfect means to mature, it means mature. You mature in Christ and you reach a place in your life where you begin to see things God's way. You begin to do things God's way and you begin to maintain things God's way. That's what he's talking about. And it will happen because the power of, of the resurrection of Christ. There, there is no such thing as, well, I got saved and that not, never happened to me. You are telling on yourself you're not saved. It's just come out of your own mouth. You say, well, I don't like church people. I got hurt by church people. I've had that conversation with people. Let me tell you something. If you got hurt real bad by church people, let me give you an idea. Let me give you a truth from the Bible. It wasn't God's children that hurt you in that church. It was the tares. It was the devil's children. Because straight up, 1 John chapter 1 says, one of the ways you know that you're dealing with one of God's children is they just already have a natural love in their heart for their other brothers and sisters in Christ. They have that family love. You know about families, don't you? Families can argue and fight, and, but boy, when mama rings that dinner bell... We're all sitting there at the table, ain't we? I mean, my brothers and sisters, and we used to run, I'd run a fight ring with them. <laughs> now, I was older, so it wasn't fair, but I'd get all my brothers and sisters involved in fighting, and they all wanted to beat up on Jeremiah, and I'd take Jeremiah and try to train Jeremiah, Jeremiah try to beat up on my sister Brittany and Bethany, and oh, we'd get mad at each other, run and chase and hate each other's guts, but when it was mealtime, bang, 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 we was all there pass those mashed potatoes please yes right on coming right up there's been many times maybe I shouldn't tell this but I will we went to Christian school and yes there's bullies in Christian school there's drugs in Christian school if you think you're you're putting your kids in a Christian school to get away from all that let me tell you I've not ever been to that kind of a Christian school it's just there I knew more about drugs than most public school kids. But i tell you what. I'd get mad at my brothers and sisters all the time. You know how 16 and 17-year-olds are. I had to drive them to school. I didn't want them touching nothing in my hot rod, my 73 gremlin that I thought was so cool. Don't touch that. Don't touch a window. Don't you touch that. Don't you drink in my car. Don't you eat in my car. My car's cool. 150,000 miles on, but it had 150,000 cool miles. <laughs> and it was even cooler because I was in it. I had to look good, you know. So I'd, I'd put my my hand up on top of the steering wheel, you know, lay down my other hand on my gear shift down. It was a three-speed. You know, I was cool. Wore sunglasses too big for my head, you know, you know 80s. But that's cool. But let me tell you something. As mad and as mean as I was with my brother's sister's, if someone got jumped on them at school, it was on. It was on. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if you hated each other's guts before school. After that school bell rang, somebody, you seen somebody shovel. I seen somebody bullying my brother one time, and he didn't do it once or twice. The teachers didn't take care of it. You know what we did? Jeremiah come to me, he was upset, and I seen it go down. I said, I'll tell you what. He likes going into the boy's bathroom. You catch him when he goes in there by himself. I'll watch the door. When he goes in there, you just walk right in behind him. I said, I'll tell you, this is how we took care of bullies in my day. I said, as soon as he goes in there, you don't look at him. You don't talk to him. You shove him right into the bathroom stall. And I said, it'll be over. And I'll watch the door. Ain't nobody getting in. You ain't going to get in trouble for it. You guess what? After that that little episode, that was the best kid in the whole school. You know why? He was stood up to. You're not bullying me. You're not bloodying my nose no more. You're going to have a little opposition on your hands. You know, you can't do that today. They'll haul you off to jail and brand you a terrorist. Boy, this world's changed, ain't it? You say, well, you probably didn't handle that right. I was 16, probably didn't. What I'm illustrating is, family love. You could hate your brothers and sisters, but I'm going to tell you something. Somebody jumps on them. You're at their side. Where's that in our churches? I'm going to tell you, you got hurt in church. It wasn't from God's children. Think about that. Because God said he, the devil plants the tares right in with the wheat. Mm. Give you power to press towards that mark. Power, verse 12, to apprehend others. You know what that word apprehends means? It means to, well, today's language, arrest. <laughs> to apprehend that suspect. To apprehend. Watch with me here and verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I want to catch others for Jesus like God caught me. You ever heard people say, well, I just can't tell nobody about Jesus. I'm so bashful. Really? You weren't being so bashful when you was at Food City. Blowing up on the cashier because you thought your price was right, and she shorted you two two pennies. Yeah, he wasn't too bashful, would you? If you was bashful, you wouldn't have said nothing about it and went home. If you got a driver's license, you ain't too bashful. I threw that in there free. That wasn't in the message. <laughs> But he had the power, God put it in him. He couldn't help but to do it, to apprehend others. Salvation, to reconcile the lost to Christ. Telling others what great things God has done in your life. God has done great things in your life, hasn't he? (laughs) I mean, if God's not done nothing great in your life, you wouldn't really have anything to talk about. Hence, you probably don't talk. That was free. It is in the message, though. If you have nothing to testify about, I'd check up on what you call salvation. I'm telling you, as a six year old boy, that didn't know much about sin other than lying, cheating, and stealing and beating my brothers and sisters up for their happy meals. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) Or I'd con them. Jeremiah is six, seven years old, eight years old. He's a little older than than, than that. He's younger than me, but I was older. And I'd have him, you tell dad to get you a Big Mac. Because dad was just buying cheeseburgers. Let me tell you something. Cheeseburger wasn't doing it for me at 16. But I knew dad wasn't going to buy me a cheeseburger. They were 25 cents at that time, if I remember right. And there were seven of us. I said, but you tell dad you want a a Big Mac. Because I knew he wasn't going to eat it all. And then I'll eat. I'll play cleanup. Say, what is that? <laughs> I don't know what they would diagnose that. Maybe sociopathic con. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dad knew what was going on. He'd get him a Big Mac, and Jeremiah ate it all. <laughs> so I had to change my tactics. But as a six-year-old boy, when I walked away that morning in that service. It was a different world for me. We have the power to apprehend others for service, discipling others for Christ, encouraging others to serve. You do serve, don't you? You see, if you're born again, you will, because that same power, just assuredly as the Lord, you do believe God raised from the dead now, right? That same power is living inside the believer. You do serve, right? I mean, you know, in your home church, right? God started the church. That's where ministry flows from. God, you do do that, don't you? You said, preacher, you ain't painting me a good... I'm telling you, the, the God I serve, the Jesus I believed in, is the Jesus that does all that. By the power of his resurrection. Not me, not my abilities, not, not, not my hard-headedness. His resurrection, that power. How about the power to change? Verse 22. 20, 21. Look with me here. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Oh boy. We're going to look for Jesus. Our focus changes from this world to heaven. That means our motives change why we come to church. Now, get this. This is the part I promised. Look back up to about verse 19. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He just got finished telling this church, you be aware of three people groups. He's talking to the church inside. We don't have to worry about them out there or the devil out there. We worry about him infiltrating in. He said, be aware of dogs. Be aware of the evil workers and the concision. Why? He's telling you they're straight up enemies of the cross. Their motive. Here's what an enemy is. I I wrote some synonym words down to help us. An enemy of Christ, an enemy is one that is bent on destruction. They want to destroy. They want to divide. An enemy is going to do it my way. I don't care what God said. I don't care what your Bible says, preacher. I don't believe it. Oh, you're an enemy. You're an an antagonist. You might have heard it like this. Well, I don't care. I don't care. That's an enemy. I do care. You should care. I care about the cross. You're combative. That's what an enemy is. This crowd running around and they're combative. You ever bump into them in the house of God? And they come unglued on you. Maybe you've got a different opinion than they do, and they get all mad. You know, I don't care that you have a different opinion. I'm not going to get blow all up on you and get mad and hate your guts. I probably will say, show me from the Word of God. But you can have your opinion. Who am I? There's been a lot of opinions I've had that I found out later were wrong. But I do stand strong on the things that I got strong Scripture for. My mode is not to be combative and neither should yours be. What, the point I'm trying to drive home because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this so much in today's age. Preacher, I'd love to go to church, but I got hurt in church bad. You know what? I, I feel you. I understand. But you probably didn't get hurt by Christians. You got hurt by enemies of the cross. They're combative. They're antagonists. They don't care. He changed him from an enemy, that's what Paul was before he got saved, to a friend. Now, a friend is an assistant. A supporter. You do support God's work, don't you? (laughs) You see, it's nothing like the Word of God. You can look at yourself because you know yourself, and you can look at the Scripture and what the Bible's saying, and if if the devil's deceived you into thinking you're saved, you're really not, you can know... I don't support no local church. I don't support ministry. I don't assist. I don't help. I'm not a helper. I'm in love with myself. I'm a God, Bible tells you you're a belly worshipper because you do what you feel is right, not what. I know I'm I'm on to it because I can see, I can read, and discern. You need to be born again. The power of His resurrection is not inside you, and that's why you have a dysfunctional Christian life. What you think is a Christian life, and it's not. The power of His resurrection. I serve a risen Savior, I'm a friend i'm a friend of christ i want to help what christ started i want to reconcile others to god not hurt churches and hurt people and hurt god's children you say well man you're sure preaching awful mean that hurts my feelings not to god's children i like that one thing people share he says look If you got mad at the preacher, but what he was preaching was was right in the Word of God, it's you that's in the wrong. And that's right. That's right. The power of the resurrection. This happened in the Apostle Paul's life, the chiefest of sinners. And that's why I said last week, I don't care how brokenhearted you were. I don't care how poor you are. You're the kind of people God wants. Why? Because you need Jesus. I need Jesus. And I need his power in my life. If you're born again, it's there. It's there. And there is no excuse. Can I be sincere with you? I'll share a I'll share a, a thought with you. It's not the word of God that fails. It's not the Holy Spirit of God. That is not doing his job It's the human element And I say that in the context of, of pastoring Preaching Ministering It's not the word of God It's not the Holy Spirit of God You know the biggest prayer I have Between me and the Lord And I'm just sharing personal things with you Is that God Work With my spirit Mmm you know, you can have an individual that could preach the truth 100%, but doing it to try to hurt or run people away. And that's the wrong spirit. And then later that same preacher will say, well, I tried to do it God's way and it didn't work. It wasn't the Bible that failed. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that failed. It's the human element. And the biggest obstacle, the old preachers preach this, and I believe it now, <laughs> didn't believe it when I was 17 and 20 The biggest enemy you'll ever face In Christian life is yourself And I believe A lot of our problems is We don't know what spirit we're of If I don't pray And spend that time with Christ I begin to adopt The wrong spirit I didn't mean I wasn't I'm not bold When I well, The more time I spend with Christ The more bold I get But the more compassionate I become, the more loving, because Jesus, you can't help but him rub off on you. The power of his resurrection, there is no reason we should fail. And if we do, it'll be the human element. Let's all stand this morning.